Thank you for joining us for the Local Church Podcast. At Local Church, we value each person's unique experience with faith and hope this message impacts you today. Hey, Local Church, thanks for tuning in with us today as we're jumping back in to our Holy Spirit series. Today, I want to jump right in and let's turn to the book of Acts chapter 2. It says this, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Today, I'm so pumped to be able to talk about the Holy Spirit, who He is, what He does. And I believe that God's going to teach us something new that He wants to speak to us. So as we jump in, let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it can change us every time we come to it. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us today? We invite you in, invade our hearts, invade this place. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now these verses that we just read, Acts chapter 2, it's like if you're going to preach a Holy Spirit message, you probably want to read these verses. If the other people who are speaking in this series haven't, that's on them. They have to deal with God. Hey. But Acts chapter 2, these verses kind of lay the foundation for our theology of who the Holy Spirit is and how He works. But what do they really mean? I mean, flames on top of people's heads that look like tongues and everybody's speaking other languages, you know. The, these verses contribute to kind of the mystery that surrounds the Holy Spirit. We have these unfamiliar word pictures and mixed with all of the, the different cameos that the Holy Spirit makes throughout the whole Old Testament. And then we combine it with different churches' expressions of their relationship with Him. And it can leave us feeling some kind of way about the Holy Spirit and asking the question, like, what does it mean to actually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like I'm a Pentecostal kid through and through. Like I'm like a fourth generation Pentecostal, you know, pastors all throughout my whole line, all of these things. I did four years of Bible school. I'm Pentecostal through and through. You know, like, like just this last week, could have bought a Honda, but I bought a Toyota. Just happened. I'm Pentecostal through and through. But for all my experiences growing up in church, there's still this mystery sometimes of who exactly the Holy Spirit is. You know, the Father and the Son, they kind of make a little bit more sense. I can relate to them. But sometimes wrapping my mind around who the Holy Spirit is, what He does, and what it means to be filled by Him feels a little mysterious. So today, I want us to lean in to that mystery together today. I want us to lean in to who He is, to lean in to what He does. And specifically today, I want us to lean in to what it means to be filled by Him and ask, what does a Spirit-filled life look like? The title of my message is Figuring Out the Filling. See, the thing about donuts, now, you, can you imagine that I'd like started using like a donut filling icing analogy? I just thought it was a title that sounded kind of cool. Um, figuring out the filling. As a starting point, 
Acts chapter 2 verse 4 says that they are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now this word filled with, this phrase filled with, to, means to fill, to fulfill, or to complete in the original Greek. To be filled with the Spirit is to experience a fulfilling completeness. To experience all that God has for us. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, just for some clarity, it says that when you believed, you were marked with a seal. You were marked in Him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit, verse 14, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession. So see, as a church, we believe that the Bible says that Every believer has the Spirit on the inside of them. That when you get saved, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are marked as a child of God who guarantees our inheritance in Him. See, there's so much more to the Spirit than just speaking in tongues or prophecy or incredible camp or conference experience. Like we're gonna have an amazing camp in a couple months. And man, we believe that the Holy Spirit is gonna move in a special, significant way in those moments. But to just limit him to these specific things, to limit what it means to be filled with the Spirit to these types of things, would be selling him short. The reality is that I am filled with the Spirit when I'm saved and I am continuously being filled with the Spirit every single day as He continues to work in my life. The Holy Spirit in our relationship with Him is meant to be cultivated and experienced on a daily basis that bears fruit and overflows into our lives on a practical level. So today, as we dive in, I wanted to figure out the filling, figure out what does it actually mean? What does it really mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What I thought would be cool uh, was to, to look through the book of Acts, and I, I opened up my Bible, and I actually just went through, and I highlighted all of the times where the Holy Spirit is mentioned. And the, the, Holy, the, the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, it's just like this rapid-fire account of all that God is doing through His Spirit-filled, Jesus-loving community, just as they're getting started. And as I highlighted it, I noticed something I'd never noticed before, and there are these three times that in the book of Acts that being filled with the Spirit, that phrase full of the Spirit, is paired with another attribute, another characteristic. Three times it says that someone or a group of people were full of the Spirit and full of, and we'll dive into them. And I think it's just really helpful because it takes something that feels a little ethereal, something that feels a little mysterious, and it makes it practical. It shows us what it means to, on a daily basis, on a practical, real, real-life level, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's as if the Bible is saying that when the Spirit gets a hold of your life and you continually cultivate a relationship with Him, these three characteristics will be evident in your life. If you are a person that is asking God to fill you with His Spirit on a daily basis, I believe that these are three things that you are going to see evident in your life. The first, this happens to the group of the seven. And it says that they were full of the Spirit 
and full of wisdom. Acts chapter 6. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily dis distribution of food. So the 12, 12 apostles gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. I love this account because in it, we read about the early church trying to think of a logical solution to a practical problem that they were having. And it says that to help solve this problem, to figure out what steps to take and what to do, that they chose people that were full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. I love the Holy Spirit because He gives us practical wisdom for daily living. Like, like, I'm not sure about you, but I need help navigating life sometimes. I need help making wise choices and doing wise things. I don't have all the answers. I have to go on the hunt for wisdom. It says in Proverbs chapter 3, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. Wisdom is more precious than jewels. And nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and her paths are peace. Cultivating a relationship with the Holy Spirit helps us find wisdom. He gives us the roadmap to figure out the wisdom that is available to us from God. Wisdom in Acts chapter 6, okay? What, what we read about this group, this group of, of people trying to figure out this problem. It's, it's this word, Sophias. It means insight, skill, human or divine, intelligence. And it's actually the same word used to describe Solomon. You know, we have this amazing story of Solomon who a lot of people would say, even says in the Bible, he was one of the most wise people ever. And there's this story, I remember the VeggieTales version of this. I can't remember what they did because uh, it's kind of a weird, gory story for a children's, uh, you know, animation studio to make. But, by the way, VeggieTales, just to, you know, break down the walls of Christian, Christianese, it was this animated series, Vegetables, they taught us about Jesus. It was amazing, okay? It's where I first got filled with the Spirit. Story of Solomon. There's these two women, and they bring a baby to him, and one is saying, the baby is mine. The other one is saying, no, this baby is mine. One of them had a kid that died in the night. They present it to Solomon, and it says this. The king said, this one says, my son is alive, and your son is dead. Well, that one says, no, your son is dead, and mine is alive. Then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword to the king. He then gave an order, cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. You know, if they were just cutting a vegetable, it'd just be like, oh, bro, cut the cucumber in half. Cut Larry in half. This is a kid, though. It's crazy. 
The woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king, please, my lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other said, neither I, neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. Then the king gave his ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is his mother. When all of Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. This is the word. This is the kind of wisdom that it says that these disciples were filled with. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with wisdom. Like, what a, like who thinks to do that? Yet it says that Solomon has this idea, let me approach this situation this way that might feel a little bit unorthodox, not something he could maybe come up with in his own strength. Yet he gives this wise ruling and everybody is in awe. It's the same word too that Jesus uh, it's described of Jesus having wisdom as he, as he teaches people parables. Matthew 13. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue. And they were amazed. Where does this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? This is after Jesus tells these amazing parables that just give practical insight into how to live a wise life. See, this is the wisdom, this amazing, awe-inspiring, doesn't-make-sense, supernatural wisdom that is present in the lives of those who cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's like they see things with the Holy Spirit filter. They can look at decisions and say, I think God is actually leading us this way. He's not leading us that way. It's amazing. I, you know, I, I think of people that, man, they, they can make these amazing decisions and I think to myself, man, I, I want to be the kind of person, I look to Solomon, I look to Jesus, I want to be the kind of person that's wise. You know, I think, just as I wrap up this point, I think a danger, a danger when it comes to decision making or, or doing things or not doing other things is that we, we over-spiritualize it. You know, what if we don't need a word for every decision that we make? What if the Spirit actually just wanted to give us wisdom to make those decisions? What if it didn't have to be this intense, I need a word from God, but what if the Holy Spirit is just saying, no, he's just kind of gently leading, gently guiding. You know, I, I'm by no means the wisest guy around, but I can look back at my life and see so many instances where the Spirit just kind of helped me make the right call. It wasn't like I had a word. It was like, I remember thinking about when I like went to Bible school and like I moved, you know, I, I moved from basically Ontario, like su Southern Ontario, Southwestern Ontario, all the way to Portland, Oregon. And I, I, it was funny. I got there and a couple months later, I was talking to somebody about it and I didn't actually remember ever praying about it. And it's funny. I don't remember praying about going to Bible school, but it was just that I, I, I can look back and see that, that little decision after little decision, the Holy Spirit was helping me make wise choices, and he ultimately got me to where he wanted to get me. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He grants us wisdom. To be full of the Holy Spirit is to be a person full of wisdom. Number two, we have Barnabas, who was full of the Spirit, and full of faith. Because there's gonna be times, there's gonna be times when it seems as though wisdom doesn't get us all the way there. We weigh all the options, we count all the costs, and we're ready to make a move, but there's still this part of us 
that's not totally sure. We don't fully know, is this right? But we can be people who are not just full of the spirit and full of wisdom, but are also full of faith. We see this in Acts chapter 11. Now those who have been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church back in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Spirit and full of faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. What a cool story. The first time that people are called Christian or or little Christ, Jesus followers, was this moment here in the book of Acts chapter 11. And I love this story because What faith really is, faith is about looking at what God has done and looking at what God is doing and coming into agreement with it. It says, I've seen you do it, I've read about you doing it, and I say, yes, Lord, let it be done in my life. We see here Barnabas seeing what God is already up to, what God has been doing, what he has done. It's an expression of who God is. And Barnabas sees God at work in this group of people. And what it says that, it says that he was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. After all he does is say, yes, I agree, I affirm, I want to be in line with that. This is what faith really is. Coming into agreement with what God is already doing. What a reality of who God is, is going on. And that's why the, the, the verse, God, may your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is such a powerful faith-filled verse because it's saying there's a reality in heaven and my faith agrees with it. My faith agrees that in heaven, life looks one way. Relationships look one way. Restoration looks one way in heaven. And I'm coming into agreement with that and I have the faith to say, yes, Lord, in my life. This word faith here in Acts chapter 11 means belief, trust, confidence. The same word. The same word in this really cool story of Jesus healing a woman's daughter. It says that leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman, not a Jewish woman, a Canaanite woman, from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. Kind of funny. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. So he answers her, and he says, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel, to the Jewish people. The woman came and knelt before him, Lord, help me. 
she said. He replied, it is not right to take away children's bread and toss it to the dogs. To take away the Israelites' bread and toss it to the dogs. The Gentiles, like, wow, what are you saying here, Jesus? And then she responds, yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Now, this is kind of a funny passage. So what do we know? Well, one, we know Jesus isn't racist. He went to this region by choice. He, he tells his disciples as he ascends to heaven to go into all the world and make disciples. Jesus isn't a racist. We know Jesus isn't sexist. Throughout the, the, the narrative of scripture, Jesus interacts with women time after time. Jesus and God the Father bless the ministry of women all throughout the Bible, all throughout the New Testament. But we know Jesus is interested in strengthening the faith of his children and rewarding them when they operate in it. Hebrews chapter 11, without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Man, like this woman, we find ourselves in an atmosphere that's thick with tensions, don't we? Tensions of belief, opinion, politics, tensions with people that we work with, live with, celebrate family holidays with. Some days it's tough to be full of the Spirit and full of faith. Yet this woman says, I need God to move in my situation. I need my daughter to be healed. I need a miracle. And that's exactly what happens to live the kind of lives that please God, to do the things that he's called us to do, and to have the kind of faith that pleases him, it will require a Holy Spirit partnership. As we invite the Holy Spirit to move in our lives, he begins to fill us with faith for the miraculous. Faith for God to move in our lives, in our families, in our workplaces, in our cities, in our finances, in our bodies. We invite the Holy Spirit in and he just pumps us full of faith. We should all have the desire to have Jesus say to us what he said to this woman. You have great faith. And to do this, we need to be the kind of people who are full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. Number three, lastly, says that the disciples were full of the Spirit and full of joy. Acts chapter 13, the word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing woman of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and filled with the Holy Spirit. The people that I know that have the deepest sense of joy, the most authentic, rooted, amazing, beautiful sense of joy are the people that also have the deepest relationship with the Holy Spirit. To be full of the Spirit is to be full of joy. Here we see the disciples full of the Spirit and full of joy after Paul and Barnabas are run out of town after the Jewish leaders schemed against them. Like imagine if there was a group of people 
that we're conspiring against the work that local church is trying to do in our city and in Peterborough and in Toronto and, and all around the world? What, what if there's a group of people trying to conspire against us? Would our first instinct be joy? Would our first response be, oh man, just we're full of joy right now. I, I would love to say that that would be the response, but would it? I love it. You know, the, the word here used for we're filled with actually changes slightly from our first two characteristics, from, from wisdom and faith. When it says that they were filled with the Spirit and with joy, this phrase filled means to make replete as if it's like supplied from a well. Or, or to, to cram, to level up, to furnish, satif- satisfy, execute, finish, verify. And the word joy is a joy, gladness, cheerfulness, calm, delight. To live in relationship, close relationship with the Holy Spirit is to have a life crammed with joy, furnished with gladness, overflowing with cheerfulness as if it's a well that's connected to the depths of your soul and to have a calm delight that is not moved by what we're facing. This is how the Holy Spirit empowers us to have joy in the midst of unjoyful circumstances. See, he he wants us to be so crammed full of joy, so well supplied that nothing can rob it from us. There's this verse in John chapter 16. And basically it's this story, and I'll just summarize it really quickly. It's this story where where, where Jesus, his disciples are about to ask him something and he actually kind of jumps ahead of them and uh, they're, they're asking about what does it mean that he's going to be gone for a while and what does it mean that you're not going to be with us? And then Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but you will grief, your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It'll be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy. Then the last verse, verse 24. Ask using anything in my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. You see, spirit-produced joy isn't contingent on what is currently happening to us. Like a woman, like I've never, never given birth, hey, you know, I'll never know what it's like, but I know that doesn't seem great, <laughs> doesn't seem comfortable, but I've seen, what I have seen is, man, I've seen mothers holding their babies for the first time and the joy that's on their face. This is a kind of joy that Jesus says is available to us. It's a joy that is anchored to the promise on the other side of pain. That's what spirit-produced joy is that there is a promise on the other side of our pain and we can have joy as we go through it. And Jesus is, man, by, by far the best example of this. It says in Hebrews chapter 12 that fixing our eyes on Jesus, as Him is our example, Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. His joy was anchored to what was on the other side of his sacrifice. His joy was the thing that was able to get him through the most brutal thing that the world could throw at him. 
And the Bible says that we can have that kind of joy too. That we can be people that are full of the Spirit and full of joy. Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Having an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, welcoming him, welcoming him in, asking Him to cultivate things in our life produces a deep, authentic joy in our lives that is not deterred by what is happening to us. And man, the Holy Spirit, He doesn't only just fill us with joy, but He also fills us with faith. He helps us walk by faith and not by sight to believe for and experience the miraculous on a daily basis. And he gives us wisdom. He gives us wisdom to navigate the practical, everyday things that we have going on in our world. So how do, how do we have these things in our life? How do, we, how do we invite wisdom, faith, and joy? How do we become people that are full of the Spirit and full of these things? You know, when I, when I share on the Holy Spirit, I always make sure to say something I first heard um, the man, John Mark Comer, say. And he said that the Holy Spirit is a person we grow in relationship with, not a force that we acquire. You know, for all of his mystery, for all of the, the unknowns and things that we're, we're, we're still, you know, just looking into Scripture and, and trying to say, what is the Word trying to say? For all of the mystery, the Holy Spirit is a person that we get to know better and better as time goes on. It's a person that we grow in relationship, not some kind of weird force that we have to try and acquire or anything like that, but it's just a person that we're getting to know better and better every single day. And you know how you have those friends that are just so refreshing to be around? Like you hang out with them, you spend time with them. The more you get to know them, the more refreshed you get by them. That's who the Holy Spirit is. He's a, a person who refreshes us, who fills us up who, who, who fills up our tank. So today, if, if you're feeling empty in wisdom or you're feeling empty in faith or you're feeling empty in joy, I believe that the Spirit wants to come and fill you up in a fresh way. And, and I love the Bible because it really just makes it so simple. Jesus says about the Spirit in John chapter 7, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit. Revelation chapter 22. The Spirit and the bride say, come. And the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. It, it makes it so simple. That if we want these things in our life, if we are feeling empty, if we're feeling thirsty, if, man, if we're feeling depleted in faith, in wisdom, or in joy, that all we have to do is come to the feet of Jesus and, and say, Spirit, I want to be in a closer relationship with you. I want more of you in my life. I want to draw nearer to you. And then as we do so, something begins to bubble up like I said earlier, it's like a well on the inside of us. Wisdom starts to bubble up. Faith starts to bubble up. Joy starts to bubble up. So Holy Spirit, I pray for every person 
listening to this message. I pray for wisdom, faith, and joy to be evident in their life, to bubble up, to well up on the inside of them, that we would be a church, that we would be a people so full of you, so full of your spirit, that we would be shocking people with our wisdom, shocking people of how we navigate situations, that we would, God, we would have great faith and believe that you will continue to do the things you've always done in our lives, in our, in our cities, in our workplaces, God. And I pray for a deep, real, authentic joy to bubble up on the inside for anyone who finds himself as a glass half full type of person, that they would be full of your joy. In Jesus' name, amen. And hey, if today you've never started a relationship with Jesus or maybe you've kind of fallen, fallen away and you, it's been a while since you've connected with him, the Bible again makes it so simple that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That you don't have to spend your life now and your eternity separated from him, but that you can experience an intimate relationship with him. And like I said earlier, it's at this moment that the Holy Spirit will come in. He will enter your heart and these things are going to begin to produce themselves. But if that's you, I'd love to just pray with you. I'd love for you to pray along with me. And as we close our eyes, I just want you to, to pray this in your heart. And we're all, as a church community, going to pray together. Let's pray this. Dear Jesus, I need you. I've fallen short time and time again, and I recognize that I need you to be Lord of my life. I thank you for your finished work on the cross and the new life that I, beget, I get because of it. I commit my life to you, and I love you. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, in the chat, can we put our hands together? Can we throw up some clapping emojis for all the people that just made that decision? Hey, a link is gonna appear in the chat if that's you. Just click that and you'll be connected with somebody who's gonna give you some more information. Church, I love you. Have a great week. I pray that you'd be full of the spirit, full of wisdom, full of faith, and full of joy. See ya. We are so glad you joined us for the Local Church Podcast. To get connected, please follow us on social media and check out our website for groups and other ways to get involved.